welcome to another episode of Parminio. The pulse of the organization and psychological safety. That's what we're going to be discussing on this episode of the podcast. Now, many times the CEO or your business partner will ask you to help them keep their finger on the pulse of the organization. Now, first of all, what exactly does that mean? Well, it gets to the idea of understanding and knowing uh, employee and organizational members, what their attitudes are, their demeanor, their thoughts, their emotions, and their level of engagement. And we have tools to help us do this in a quantitative manner, such as a Gallup survey, uh, the ENPS survey, and that help us to understand these things from a quantitative manner, but it really doesn't help address what your business partner is asking of you in this situation. Um, so how do you go about doing this, in keeping your finger on the pulse of the organization? Because it, it, it can be somewhat hard and problematic. And we know a couple of things about this. Number one, employees and, and team members are very observant of the CEO and leaders of the organization in terms of how they respond to events. And this impacts what employees feel is safe or appropriate to share with leaders. And we know from research that Tyler and Lynn did in 92 on this topic that this is a critical and important area to understand. Employees and, and people in an organization are very, very observant uh, of how the leadership team and the CEO respond to criticism, respond to being challenged, respond to external issues and, and things that are going on, and how the leadership team and the CEO respond to these things will have a great impact in shaping what people feel is appropriate to share. So very important thing to remember, and we know that bad news rarely transmitted up the hierarchy in a smooth manner. Uh, Lee did some research in 93 around this. So we know these two things are play a prominent role in terms of what people feel is appropriate to share. Bad news, criticism, whatever it may be. So it's important to understand this because this plays a big role in terms of your ability to keep your pulse and your finger on the pulse of the organization. So um, how do we go about doing this and cultivating a sense where people are willing to open up and share things? And this gets at the idea of psychological safety. So what we're going to do here is we're going to explore psychological safety. We're first going to define what it is. We're going to talk about a situation at uh, Google where Google did a, a large project to understand team dynamics and high performance teams and what they found out about psychological safety. And then we're going to give four examples of different techniques that you can use as a chief of staff to cultivate higher levels of psychological or, or emotional safety in your organization so that you will be much more effective in keeping your finger on the pulse of the organization. And the good thing is all of these techniques align with other aspects that we've discussed uh, that are important for a, a, a chief of staff such as transformational leadership, um, behaviorship that drives trust, and behaviors that model uh, positive open behaviors. So 
Uh, let's get at a definition of psychological safety. And this is from Amy Edmondson, work that she's, she's from Harvard. She's done a lot of work on psychological safety and been a pioneer in the area. And what she says psychological safety is, it's a, it's a shared belief by members of a team that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. So within those teams or within the organization, there's mutual respect, there's interpersonal trust. And so people, when they, they think about sharing, whether that's input, ideas, criticisms, or their feelings, um, it's appreciated, acknowledged, understood. And it's not criticized and it's not shut down. You're not castigated and you're not punished. Because if there's any idea that whatever it is that you're wanting to share, if you feel you're gonna be punished or shut out or closed off, or ridiculed or embarrassed, guess what? People are not going to be open and sharing things. And when they're op not open and sharing things, guess what? Things get buried. Bad news gets buried. The pulse of the organization gets unknown because people are unwilling to share things. And too little too late. You find out that the organization isn't engaged. People have a lot of cynicism or bad attitudes and it's too late in the organization and you know leads to bad consequences of course so we want to foster psychological safety because the higher levels that we have of it the more willing and open people are to share things with us um let's just talk about the research and the study that google did so google started a project in 2012 called project aristotle and what they wanted to know was what are the what are the key traits or aspects that are predominant in their highest performing teams and then how do we model that within all our teams and what they found out was that the highest performing teams also had the highest levels of psychological safety found out was that the teams that had high elements of psychological safety of course were their highest performing teams and that means within those teams, they felt safe for interpersonal risk-taking and they felt high levels of mutual respect. And one of the variables that you can measure um, within teams to understand this is that if you take all of the team meetings, for example, or how a team meets over the year, people within those teams will speak up and represent themselves equally. So everybody within a team speaks in the same level or proportion to each other. You don't have one or two or three people dominating the conversations. Everybody is speaking up in a much more equal manner because they feel it's okay and it's safe to do that. And so what you want to do is foster an environment um, with, or within teams or within your organization so that as people feel this, they're much more likely to input their ideas, their comments, their criticisms, and they won't feel that it's going to be shut out or they're going to be damaged. They're much more likely to be engaged in, in meaningful work. All right, so with, with that being said, psychological safety uh, does much more than just allow for people to input information. It allows them to become engaged to a much higher level, and it leads to the engagement of much higher performing teams. So it has a, a dual benefit. All right, let's look at four um, methods or tools that Amy Edmondson, from her research, she talks about how you can um, increase 
the psychological safety within your organization by doing specific behaviors and actions. And the four that I'm gonna talk about here, number one is accessibility. Number two is inviting input and feedback. Number three is modeling openness and foul. So number one, accessibility, and this is all about availability and approachability. So you have to be both available and approachable. And people have to see this in terms of your actions, your behaviors, and how you behave. And if they see these two things, then it's gonna increase you know, the feelings of, of being safe and approaching you. Uh, so how can you how can you increase your accessibility? Well, a couple of things you can do is number one, you can do some management by walking around, and that's a common technique. Many people have talked about this, and it's one of the things I've always liked to do is you get out and you walk around um, your campus and you meet with different people and talk with people, and if as you're doing it, you're you're modeling accessible behavior, open body posture, you're engaging, you're, you're engaging with intentive listening, you're appreciating what people are having to say, you're non-defensive when they're telling you things, then you're going to increase your accessibility and your availability and your approachability. And people will be more likely to share things with you and thus you'll have a greater ability to keep your finger on the pulse of the organization. Um, you know, you can schedule some management by walking around time every week. Uh, I know everybody has busy schedules, but again, this is an important thing to understand because you really do want to have a strong network position in your organization. This can really help you do it in terms of keeping your, your finger on the pulse. Number two, another way you can do it is to have uh, you rotate kind of how you do lunches and coffee meetings, rotate with different people. You can have different um, people you're having lunch with and coffee with, and as you're doing this, you're increasing your level of accessibility. And you can do the same thing that you do with MBWA, management by walking around. When you're engaging with people, you're approachable, you're accessible, you're engaging in open behaviors, you're attentive listening, and you're going to have the effect of increasing your accessibility by doing this. So those are a couple of techniques you can use uh, to increase your accessibility. Number two is by inviting input and feedback. And this really revolves around encouraging input from everyone. So if you're leading a meeting, for example, what you want to do is kind of make sure, or somebody from human resources or engineering, I can structure probing questions to ask them at the meeting that will um, be directed at their perspective and their point of view and what they might want to input. And then as they do it, I practice open and accessible behavior. I practice attentive listening. I'm showing them that I appreciate and acknowledge their input. And that shows up in, within the group dynamics and it shows that everyone's input and ideas are important. And that helps to, again, enhance the notion that it's safe to give my input or my ideas. So that's one technique that you can use to invite input and feedback. Um, and we want to have people speaking equally. We can practice empathy as well when we're listening to people. And so again, we're modeling behaviors that are inviting input and then inviting feedback. So that's another technique. Um, the other, the next one we want to talk about is modeling openness and fallibility. And so fallibility has to do with the idea of talking about our mistakes and admitting our mistakes. So if we can do that and model it, 
people will be more open in talking about these things. And that's a positive thing because as mistakes get buried and they fester, they then usually, you know, they, they pop up many months later or weeks later into a much bigger problem. So if people are more willing and open to admit mistakes earlier on in a process, it's going to save us time and money later on uh, and lead to a much better situation. All right, another thing I can do to model openness is being coaching oriented. We've talked a lot about coaching and mentoring and the use of the cognitive apprenticeship approach on other podcasts, on the mentor and mentee podcast. So coaching oriented allows people to see that we want, we want people to learn and we want people to have their input and become uh, more effective and better employees within the organization. So coaching orientation is another factor to help us model openness. Non-defensiveness. We want to appear non-defensive because if I come off and I'm defensive, if I'm challenged or if I'm criticized or something I'm working on is criticized, people again will observe that and they will just say, I'm not going to say anything. Because if I don't, if I say anything anyways, it's just going to be shut down. So a quick example of non-defensive behavior might be something like, uh, for example, it might go like this. I might be given a, a presentation on OKRs and presenting that to a team because we're implementing OKRs. And a team member uh, might have a strong uh, passion and opposition to it. And they, they might say something like this. You know, we, we, every year, every month that goes by, uh, we keep getting more process. And all this process is doing is bogging us down. Now we've got just more processes in place. We've got OKRs, we've got quarterly business meetings, we've got other review sessions, we've got weekly operation reviews. All this stuff is getting in the way of giving our customers what we need to do. We need to be delighting our customers and working on things and products and services for our customers. We don't need more processes. And so that's you know something that's being directed directly at the implementation of OKRs, and you've, you've got a group meeting in a dynamic setting here. So I don't want to be defensive about it, right? I want to um, show that I'm open and appreciative of this person's input because they do have a good point. Um, just adding on processes doesn't add, doesn't help anybody, right? So I might approach the answer something like this. I, I want to thank you for you know sharing your thoughts on this matter and, and, and your ideas. And you know what? You're absolutely right. We need to be focusing on our customers and delivering the best products for our customers. And if we're not doing that, guess what? We're, we're not going to be open for business at the end of the day. And we don't want to be doing things that are just adding more process. That's the last thing we want to be doing. Uh, when it comes to OKRs, objectives and key results, the whole idea is we want to be working on things in unison as a group and we want to be working on the top priorities of the organization and if we're not all working on the right things and the same things guess what's going to happen we are not going to be able to satisfy our customers because we're not going to be building and putting together the things that they want or need so okrs is not about process it's about having a a, a structure in place so that we're all working on the right things in unison and we're all heading in the same direction together and we all should be working on the things that are important and when it comes to OKRs the, 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 the thrust of the conversation should be 
what are the things that we should be working on and why are they important, right, for delivering value to our customers? And then how do we get there? How do we achieve those goals and objectives so that we can deliver the things to our customers? And if we're not doing that and we're not focusing on those things and we're just doing some process for OKRs, then you know what? We shouldn't be doing it. But what I'm going to ask of you is give this a fair shake. Give it a fair shake and, and do your best on this. And then as time goes by, if we're not doing it right and it's just about process, you come back and let's have that conversation again. And if we're not going to do it right, let's scuttle it. But I would ask you, in, 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 as we go through this process, to give it a fair chance and give your best input. And that's all I can ask of you. So that's one way to approach and address the question of, of, of OKRs and, and not come off in a defensive manner and really talk about OKRs for what the purpose is and not just some process that we're putting into place. So non-defensiveness is a key thing. Along with all of this goes to body language. And my body language, when I'm, when I'm addressing that question, I want to be open, open body posture. I want to be cooperative. I want to be nodding my head, tilting my head to the side, engaging in extended eye contact. That shows the person who had raised the question about OKRs that I'm engaged and that I'm interested and I'm acknowledging what they have to say. And that person will feel a lot better about me and the organization based upon how I answer that. And so that leads to higher levels of, of feeling safe to input what people are feeling run-throughs and practicing of course now when a, a, a airline pilot or, you know goes through and gets their training to fly a plane right nobody ever says to an airline pilot you know you read the manual on the 727 now let's take her up um, nobody ever says that and that's a that's a line from some research that Amy Edmondson did on. what we want to do is use practice fields and rehearsals because if we're using practice fields and rehearsals we can make mistakes and we can have failures and the consequences for them will be removed so people can do it in a safe environment. So just as an airline pilot, they're not going to just be going up and flying a plane after they read the manual, right? They're going to have simulations. They're going to be flying up in a plane and observing a more experienced pilot. We can do the same thing here within an organization, right? We can create practice fields and rehearsals as we're going through things so that the fears of mistakes and failures can be removed. So for example, if I have some people meeting with the CEO in two weeks and they've had very limited exposure to the CEO, I can do a dry run-through and, and, and show them and acclimate them how this meeting might go. What's important to the CEO? How does the CEO like their information? How does it need to be prepared? What are the key things that we need to be prepared to talk about? And how do we lead that conversation so that it is productive, robust, and efficient? And then I can even go through a, a role play and portray the CEO for them and kind of go through it. So when we actually have the meeting with the CEO, it's an efficient use of everybody's time and we achieve our objectives. So that's one way I can use uh, practice fields in my organization. I can also do it in many other ways just like that um, in doing preparations uh, for other meetings. For example, we could have quarterly business reviews. I could do an advanced reconnaissance and with one of the teams go through the quarterly review session as if I'm the CEO to prepare the team and make sure when that meeting happens it's efficient, it's well done, 
the questions are all answered so that getting things done all right so those are four different uh, methods and uh, tools that you can use um, increasing your accessibility increasing and in, in inviting input and feedback modeling openness and fallibility and the use of practice fields and i love practice fields i love rehearsals anybody that listens to these podcasts knows that i think that's a great tool to to have to put in your repertoire and if we're doing all of these things right we can increase the feeling and the notion of psychological safety in the organization so that people feel it's okay to input um, their ideas and their and their comments and their issues and their problems and thus if you're doing this right as a chief of staff you're going to be able to partner that is valued by your ceo thank you once again for listening to another episode of parminio